Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast. It's all connected. Everything. Welcome to It's All Connected, episode 122. This is the old man episode. Uh, this is I get, or Founders episode or OG episode. Old Thomas Day. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn um, back the clock, Nate. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but join with me tonight are, are the, the original uh, podcasters on this show. It was just kind of one of those things where we, we all, the stars were aligned and we all you know, just kind of impromptu said, hey, what if we just got together and just talk like like we used to back when we first started the show? So uh, this is Russell Latham, and joining with me is Johnny M. Hello. Brad Milo. Hey, guys. How's it going? Welcome back. Thank you. And Ken Morgan. Hey, and a very fine good evening to you. Yes. Hey, Russ, now- be careful with, uh, with your uh, taunting of old ages because you're the only grandpa here. There you go. Oh yeah, no, I totally fit the bill for sure. We've been doing this so long, the Cubs won a World Series. <laughs> oh, dude, that is the best. <laughs> and hey, the Astros. Brad, and the Astros. Watch it, Brad, because the Cowboys haven't won shit. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know. Believe me, I know. Do we still have to beat that. Eh. We, <laughs> have we Nobody. graduated? <laughs> Nobody cares anymore. Like you said, this is the OG episode, so let it fly. Let it go. I was thinking uh, as we were hanging around, have we, I don't know if the four, I know the four of us have all been on this show. Have the four of us done this show together? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm pretty sure we have. Yeah. It's just been a go through the archives. Yeah, it's definitely like in the season one of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe we did, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's been yeah. a very long time. Four. And Marvel has come a some long way in the span of this time. They've made a couple movies in the time we've been gone. I oh. think. Couple movies, couple TV shows, couple billion. <laughs> Several billion. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was going through a box earlier today, and I'm sorry if I'm making noise. I'm stepping over here to get a magazine I found in the bottom of a box. Entertainment Magazine, April 30th, 2010, Summer Movie Preview, and there's a big old thing, a big old picture of Iron Man 2 on the front of it. I thought it was weird that I pulled this out of nowhere in the yeah. bottom of a box. I'm going doing some spring cleaning, and there it was. Good times. And that's really, we've talked about it over the years, that's really when the all-connected thing really kicked in. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I said think Hulk- forever, I said forever that movie was the linchpin of Phase 1, and that was back when it was the third of the movies, and we're coming up on number 19. Yeah. It's crazy. Why is it so hard for you, for me to remember if Iron Man was first, or if Incredible Hulk was first. Iron Man was Iron first. Man was first. It I feels know, like I, Incredible Hulk was first, doesn't it? Well, it, that's why it's so difficult for me to remember sometimes. And maybe it's because, like Russ said, we're getting old. But 
sometimes when when I start thinking about it, I think, okay, it all started with Incredible Hulk, and I say that out loud, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. And then I, I, think, I realize it's Iron Man, but why is it that I want to think that sometimes? Because Hulk has had been done before. That's true. You know what? That's exactly it. That old, awful Ang Lee Hulk. Right? Hulk was more familiar. Iron Man was like, holy crap, they're making an Iron Man movie. I mean, I remember watching the Iron Man trailers like... I remember times. I remember watching that Iron Man trailer the first time. Uh, I want to say it was the first time the Patriots lost to the Giants in the Super Bowls when I first saw that one. And that was just, I was in awe of, of that trailer because here we see an Iron Man in full motion, taking out a tank, doing the whole thing, and the movie did not disappoint. No. And I think it was, I remember feeling like, wow, you, you can't even tell that it's CGI. Like, I think that was still a time, I don't know, what are we, 2008 here? 2009? Yeah, 10 years. It was still a time when we were like, is this going to look right? Is this going to look real? Like, what, what's the, you know, what are the effects going to be like? I've always said seamless. that first Iron Man movie was one of my favorites. And in, when I had um, gotten laid off from a job, I took a, I took a, part-time job actually at the uh the geek squad facility uh in um flower mound texas for best buy it was uh repairing old uh checking out you know how you could return an, an item at best buy for some cash well we would get all those items refurbishment is what what we did and and i um i checked dvd players and blu-ray players and video games and i would get new stuff every day that i worked there and I had a handful of Blu-rays that uh, I could put in a machine and let it play. I had to make sure it would play an entire movie in order for it to be worth our time to try to resell it to somebody. And Iron Man, I watched Iron Man at least once, sometimes twice a day, every day that I went to work at that job. That was your go-to, huh? Yeah. Never, ever, ever got tired of that movie. Man, Iron Man did a lot of things for this MCU. I've I've said a couple of times on the show in the past, or just when I'm talking to people, about just how important Iron Man really was to what we've got today. Between the vision Kevin Feige and his team had for where they wanted to get to, because I mean, this was a risk. Iron Man was a huge risk. He was they probably you know, yeah, it's a third third tier because they didn't have what was considered their all stars at the time, and they're just now starting to get them all back. But I think the biggest thing that made this work was uh robert downey jr and his attitude towards not only the movie but he got the vision and what they were trying to do and that set the tone for every actor director performer anybody who came part of this built on that there's a handful that that either didn't buy in or had their creative differences and marvel's like basically not to go too negative but everybody anybody's expendable you know, you're in on this project or you're not. It's bigger than a person. It's bigger than an ego. It's bigger than one movie. And because of the tone and because of what Robert Downey Jr. did at the start, um, I, I don't know that we'd have coming up on 1920 movies this year without that. Well, I agree with you that the MCU wouldn't exist as it is today if it were not for him. And I was skeptical about an Iron Man movie to begin with um, because he was not really in the public eye. I mean, honestly, he, he just really wasn't. And uh, if, if somebody else had been Tony Stark, that movie may have worked, 
and we may have had we may have had more Marvel movies, but it wouldn't feel the very same as it does as what we have now. It could have worked. We could have had a handful of movies that might have, you know, maybe it would have ended with Avengers. But like you said, I really think Robert Downey Jr.'s love for the character and uh, his camaraderie with Kevin Feige really made it what it is. And, and it's no mistake it, uh, if you guys have seen the big group photo they did at, yeah. during Infinity War. I mean, the two up front are well. Well, not, not only that, the rest of all of the casts are behind them. Yeah. Not only that, if you really look at that, Robert Downey Jr. is the one in center. Kevin Feige is off center. <laughs> yeah. And it and when you look at at the other actors too. Like you look at like a Chris Evans, right? Who, when he came in to the project, I, I mean, he was on board. He was, he was in it, but I mean, John, you even remember when we were at New York comic con in 2011, like he sat there with the ball cap, he put his hand over his face. He didn't say a whole lot. He wasn't like, I know in interviews, he, he was very passive about things. And, and a lot of people were like, Oh, you know, he just, he's not, you know, he's not in, um, and since that time, he's really had a huge turnaround. Like he's, be, you know, he he thinks of this, you know, this huge cast as family, and I I, I really think that you know Robert Downey Jr. had a lot to do with that and the energy he brings to the set and and how he's you know he's been a part of kind of pulling you know the cast together and and the things that he does. I really think that had a lot to do with you know how the others have come to to embrace it and um, you know signed on to do more movies than they contracted, you know, to have Evans cameo in, in, uh, Thor, the dark world, have, have him cameo in, you know, Spider-Man homecoming have, you know, just, just have a little bit more interactivity, I think, than, than what we got. You really feel like as, as time has gone by that these actors are a lot closer. Like when you see them in interviews and we see them on set, they really do feel more comfortable with each other, with each other and feel like a family. And, I don't. I, I just don't know if you know if we. You know, Tom Cruise is always the one that's kind of been, uh, you know, put out there as like he was being looked at originally. And I just, I mean, I enjoy you know going to see movies with Tom Cruise, but I just don't see him having that effect on pulling, you know, a cast and a crew together the way that Robert Downey Jr. has. Like having Tom Selleck. It's, it's like having Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and there's no way Cruz would have signed on for nine or twelve movies, and there's no way he would have been able to do all those other things. Yeah, yeah. and and that's where where I keep going back to. Um, yeah, not that Robert Downey was all that busy, but I mean he's he's got a decent career outside of the Marvel movies as well. Didn't always. I mean, this definitely re- re- brought him back into the into the mainstream. I think um, it it. Now nah, I don't want to get negative, so I'm going to just leave it at that. But when you look at what was it? Was it for Age of Ultron, the Comic Con before Age of Ultron, or was it for Iron Man three when he did? He kind of danced out in in through the audience with the with the hand, you know, with the Iron Man hand on like a glove, and um, that may have been Ultron. But I just remember the Iron Man three build up, uh, that whole press tour with him and Ben Kingsley. That just built it into the uh, the eventual. Re- uh, uh, twist at the end of Iron Man three, yeah. but they really built that up. Yeah, but just stuff like that. It's just like you really feel like these guys are, you know, if if it, it with Downey Jr. I felt like he's always had fun. With the rest of them, I feel like they've come to have a lot more fun with it 
since that. Like it just every iteration, you f- you s- you feel like they they really are into it. So, uh, I, I mean, they pres- have to real now that now that all the movies make a billion a piece. I mean, they have to realize what it's doing for them. I mean, I, I think whoever I just stepped on, I think was about to say Chris Pratt. I mean, he was like the chubby Parks and Rec guy. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's this mega, you know, he's got Jurassic Park. He's got the Marvel, you know, the Gardens of the Galaxy. It's crazy what it's done for him. And I was going to say with Chris Pratt, he said in one of the one of the press events, probably for the first Guardians, um, or maybe even beginning of the uh, filming of Infinity War a year or so ago, talking about how Robert Downey Jr., like whenever somebody new came in, be it him, Tom Holland, somebody else, he's like, okay, welcome to Marvel. Here's what's going to happen. This is the fan base. This is what Comic-Con, you know, just, you know, keep your head on straight, but kind of guide him through being, being like their, you know, the cool uncle or their, you know, the guy who came forward. He, he takes responsibility to, to building the franchise out. And even being in the different movies as a, either cameo or a guest star or whatever, you know, I don't think we're going to see an Iron Man 4. I think they've said as much. Um, but seeing Tony Stark in around the other movies is, is going to keep it going. So let me, so we know that they keep saying that after the fourth Avengers movie, like this is kind of like, that's kind of the, the break that, you know, we've even Feige has said, you know, what comes after is going to be very different than what's come before. Just, you know, you guys haven't been on the show as regular, um, recently, you know, Daryl and, and Matthew and I have kind of given our, our two cents on what we think, but I'm curious to think, you know, do you think Downey Jr. is going to come back and want to do a swan song with a fourth Iron Man movie and kind of go out like on his own terms, so to speak? Um, you know, because, you know, or do you think he, you know, perpetually could just keep doing cameos and little bits and pieces, even if he, if he's not primary? My gut says he would go for the latter. Yeah, that he yeah, that he would rather do several little things. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Iron Man's going to bite it in one of these next two. I, I would have if I had to pick one, I'd pick the second Avengers Infinity movie. And um, maybe, you know, he wouldn't even I don't know. I just don't see him doing a fourth one, but I see him doing lots of little things, if any, or. He goes out with a bang in Avengers four. Yeah, I agree. I don't see an Iron Man four. I do see maybe him continuing, um, but I, I think we could just as easily see the torch being passed entirely. Um, something I, w- I would guess that John is looking forward to is Bucky Cap, and uh, well, maybe even a Falcon Cap eventually too. Yeah, my gut is Evans and Downey Jr. are done. Um, my gut is Hemsworth sticks around. I think they like the new direction of Thor with Ragnarok. For some reason, I just felt like he had a lot of fun and the first two Thors were maybe not received as well. And this one really breathed some life into that. Um, I don't know. And, and with this Black Panther movie, I could see like a Riri Williams deal taking over for Iron Man somewhere. You know, and like you said, Bucky Cap stepping in. I see more of a passing of the torch, I think. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. That's gut, like, whatever stuff. They're not going to stop making them. There's way too much money on the table. So <laughs> they're going to, yeah, they're going to come up with something. 
Yeah. I think whatever happens after Avengers four, it's going to feel very different. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think if nothing else, Ragnarok and black Panther have proven out that there's, there's no slowing down. Like, I mean, I was concerned that maybe we're kind of peeking out a little bit. Big fan. I'm sorry. I think I'm getting lagged that I am. My, I'm sorry. No, Sorry. My big fanboy dream right now, which we're allowed to dream at this point, everything we've wanted has happened, um, is that they they have put the brakes on this Fox deal as a red herring, and like Wolverine is going to show up in Avengers Four, <laughs> or saying. you know the Fantastic Four, or some some you know just Easter egg or something you know along those lines. So that's something that I've always been saying, even when I was on the show, like, what do you do after you're done with Infinity War? And the only thing where the place you can go, I think, is uh, the Illuminati. But you needed Fox to make that happen because you needed Xavier, you needed Reed Richards, you needed Namor. So you're you're saying I heard you say something like, is that are they dialing that back? Is that not happening or not as I just think. Yeah, it, it was like super hot. Like this is done. It happened. Hooray! And now it's like, well, you know. Oh, uh, oh okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think Russ said stuck, there's stuck some in due other. Diligence. Yeah. The, yeah. What I heard was, and now so it, it, this thing, you know, it keeps getting more complex, and there's more sides to it. So the AT and T merger was nixed. The feds, the feds right. said no, and the the word was. The reason that Fox looked to Disney was because that was the path of least resistance, like that that Fox would be able to sell their assets to Disney because it's it's not so vertical as far as like yeah. is what's going on. And they're on. specifically keeping some pieces to try to keep it yes. um, cleaner. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with Fox is like, hey, we're making a ton of money off news and sports because we're, we're, we have momentum there. We don't have the capital to make a play for – the movie side of things and the TV side of things. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Disney, we can't, we can't spend that money. So we're, we would just rather take that cash, get, exit those businesses and focus on what we know we can make money with. Um, and so, so to get back to the AT&T thing, what I heard was if the AT&T merger went through, then Fox was looking to, or Fox was looking to say, okay, maybe, we have other options and Comcast actually what it was is Comcast was looking at the AT&T merger and said, okay, if this goes through, we'll outbid Disney for the Fox assets. Um, and so now that it's been Nick, how big is Comcast that they can even think that? Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking Comcast, uh, you know, it, I know, yeah. but wow. That just, that just gives you some perspective, I guess. Yeah, they can. I mean, cause the Disney deal, I think was 52 billion and they thought maybe that, uh, that Comcast would be able to to leverage fifty six or fifty seven, I think, uh, to get all that. So, um, so it's it's. It, oh, they got they got a bar to get though. That's a different story, though. Yeah, I'm not sure if they have that much cash laying around. I mean, that's the thing. Disney Disney definitely has has the cash laying right. around. Right, that's it. where I'm going. Yeah, um, yeah, they wouldn't have to get they wouldn't have to take on debt to to make that that purchase. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. So I know AT and T is appealing it. They feel they feel well. Of course, that's what they're going to say. They feel confident they can get past the the regulatory hurdles. Um, but who knows how long that's going to take? I think there's a trial actually set in the AT and T thing for two weeks from now, the mid uh, towards the end of March of, of this year. 
So I think based on the outcome of that, we'll know. Because this, this whole Fox-Disney thing was going to take 12 to 18 months. And that was, I guess, what, three months ago, four months ago that talk started? So, um, so yeah, the, the road ahead is, is definitely not certain. But I'd be surprised if, um, if, if they went another direction. And I'd be surprised even if, even if Comcast were to up the ante over Disney, that maybe Disney would, would, you know, basically it would start a bidding war. And I, I think Disney has, Disney has more to gain with that, I think, than anything. And not just for the Marvel side of things, but, you know, they're starting their own streaming service. They need catalog. They need titles. So. Yeah. John, if. Spider-Man could end up in an Avengers movie. I don't see why Wolverine couldn't either, because we all thought Sony would never budge. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'll dream of a little dream. <laughs> yep. I, I really thought um, that they would have done something with Fox like they did with Sony, you know, the co-production, you know, sharing rights, but, you know, going all in with buying them, you know, I don't see why why they wouldn't want to do something like that. Uh, I wouldn't even be upset if they just took uh, X-Men as it is and dropped them into the MCU and just not even discuss, well, where the hell were you during during all the other nonsense? Just just get them in there um, rather than rebooting everything. The best one to drop in would just be Deadpool. Like a total irreverent, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deadpool's just wandering around, like shooting at Thanos or something. You know, like that, that would probably be the best one. Deadpool should just drop in to any franchise – in any yep. movie. Yep. Exactly. And it would work because, you know, imagine him showing up in uh, in the next uh, James Bond just <laughs> out of nowhere. I mean, the James Bond fans would hate it. but uh. And then he shows up in Mission Impossible 7. And then he shows up in Jurassic World. <laughs> Jurassic World 4. <laughs> and then he shows up in... Uh, no, he's got to show up in the eventual Green Lantern. That's where he's got to show up. Yes. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. Yes. What if after the Avengers 4, they stop doing, they stop worrying about crossing over storylines and movies and they just they just take Guardians of the Galaxy and you know, they make a couple more of those movies and no, they don't cross over and then Black Panther Maybe they can do a couple more of those, and they don't cross over. Maybe uh, 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 Captain Marvel, you know, maybe they don't cross over, and they just kind of do their own thing for a while. People yeah. still go to these movies. Yeah, I, I think yep. moving forward, we're going to see more like Thor Ragnarok, where it's characters that show up in each other's movies, but there's not like a grand story behind it. Like there's not some, you know, that would totally work. Yeah, that would still work for Robert Downey Jr. to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be a lot. I still say, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I, I still say that the next phase is is the secret invasion phase. And one of these movies that is a, a retro movie, like, isn't Captain Marvel set in like the 80s the or 90s, something? Yeah. Okay. So, like, that's where we find out that, like, Samuel L. Jackson is a scroll. And it changes how you look at everything, and the big come-together movie can be Secret Invasion. Uh, that's what happened when they did that reveal, and we saw we're all rereading our new Avengers number one, trying to find out where the hell it happened. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about that before too, John, but that's just another huge big old crossover story that I don't know that I don't know that they could do that and still keep how do you keep Robert Downey Jr. around that long? How do you keep Chris Evans around that long? You, you know, they're so good at modifying the stories. All of the stuff that they've used from the comics, but they've made it work. Like, I'm sure they could replace the key players. And I mean, I hope we're going to talk about the Infinity Gems before we go two hours here tonight. But look how they've modified, like, you know, they've made the Tesseract an Infinity Gem. And, they, you know, they're... They find ways to to modify and to change the stories and make it work. So I just I don't think that would hold them back. Okay, I'm down with that. And, and, yeah, and and that's a lot more subtle, um, you know, too to to do it. Uh, you know, where where you don't have to have. And again, you could still do the little movies. It's just like little pieces. You don't have to make major plot points revolving around the 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 scroll thing. You just have little things that pop up here and there. You know, whereas, you know, some of these movies, at least to this point, have had their plots and their stories kind of interwoven so that, you know, characters end up in the right place, that that things, you know, are tied. You know, who knows if if initially if they weren't doing this whole Infinity Gauntlet thing that, you know, Doctor Strange would have the time stone like it would have just been the eye of Agamotto um, and it's and it's turned into that. So with the scroll thing, it's it's so subtle that you I don't think you have to really steer the plot of a movie or, or steer the direction. You could just have them tell the story and they just find a way to, you know, just kind of insert these things. And it doesn't have to be every movie. It could be, you know, every third movie or something like that. But is Captain Marvel happening after Avengers four? No, between the two. Well, what if we see her in the nineties and then we find out that some of the heroes that we've been watching for the last 10 years are actually scrolls, and then in Avengers four that comes into play a little bit. Could be, could be sets up the next phase. It could very well. Yeah, be. that's that's kind of what I'm, you know, hoping. I mean, it's a long shot, <laughs> obviously, but again, you know, why not? Yeah. Do you think so? And, switch gears a little bit here. So I haven't seen Red Sparrow yet, John. Have you? Have you? I mean, obviously, it just came no. out this weekend. So. I haven't seen it. Have either of you guys seen Red Sparrow? No. So I haven't. I, I plan on seeing it this coming week. I'll, I'll be in Austin on business uh, back at the mothership for for the week. So why not? Why not you just wait for the eventual Black Widow movie? So here, so that's where I was getting with it. So based on now, granted, this is all just based on reviews and and stuff I've heard. I've heard it's very slow. It's very bloody. It's very um, risque, like it, it, very slow plotting. That sounds it, like my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't see them doing a Black Widow movie and it not being like heavy action oriented. You know, regardless of you know, I, I could see it having the espionage element and the spy elements and 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 some of those other elements. But to me. I would think no matter what they do, it would have to have some action beats. Cause I've heard even like Red Sparrow has less action than even like Atomic Blonde, which Atomic Blonde kind of had like a couple, you know, two to three, you know, somewhat large, you know, bigger action sequences. And that was about it. 
and this has even like this is even more pulled back from that. It's more about the psychological thriller aspect to it and the and the spy aspect to it more so than anything. And so, you know, the box office on on that is I mean, it's not lighting the world on fire. It was it was done for fairly cheap, and I think it's it's going to do pretty well. Uh, I mean, I think the the open is is just south of twenty million. I think it costs 65 to make. So, and the reason I bring it up is there's been a lot of talk of like, oh, this is the Black Widow movie that we've all been waiting for. And, and that's all we keep hearing. But it almost sounds to me like maybe it's not. Um, Do you think that the reason they're working on a Black Widow movie now is because of Red Sparrow? No, because I think they've they've talked about this prior to to that i think i was i was hoping that maybe more you know like something like atomic blonde would kind of like be the impetus like if that movie took on in a way unfortunately that it didn't i mean i i think it was a much better movie than the box office told us it was um but but i i'm just curious like if if do you think if this movie just doesn't do as, very well and given that atomic blonde kind of underperformed do you think that that changes anything for like a black widow movie or do you think because it'll have the marvel stamp and it'll it, the tone will be completely different that you know you shouldn't read anything in the tea leaves of you know what red sparrow does or doesn't do yeah I, that's that's the way i'm leaning i mean i didn't same even here you and i were talking recently about red sparrow russ i didn't even know it was jennifer lawrence i mean this movie was not really promoted you know, much, and it's it's a smaller deal, and I I think you throw ScarJo and the and the Marvel logo up, and you know you're talking about a whole different ball game. Yeah. And do you, would you guys? So there's been a lot of talk of like, well, you know, put Hawkeye in it or put somebody else in it. Do do you think? I mean, what do you guys want? Do you want to see like a team up with that, or do you want to see it focused? On her, because I know for me, like I want to see a Black Widow focused movie. Like I don't want it watered down or diluted with co-stars and cameos and all that other stuff. I want it. I want the focus to be. Yeah, on her. I see where you're going, but I, 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 I want it to be about her. I want to be about her backstory. But um, it, it really sounds like from what little bit we got, especially in the Avengers, um, Hawkeye's the one that got her out of um, KGB or whatever and into Shield. So that's a significant part of her backstory. So if they're going to go that route, then I can't see you doing without Hawkeye. I I don't want to. We've already seen her as a little kid, you know, being trained. I don't. Right. We need to see the, any of that in a in a Black Widow movie. I'd li- like to know. I'd like to see you know where she got the red in her ledger. I'd like to see some of that stuff. And uh, like Ken, I wouldn't mind a, a cameo from. From Hawkeye, a small part, not a buddy movie, not like Hulk and Thor in Ragnarok, but um, just some kind of reference to tie it in. Um, but as long as we don't have like a full on origin, because even though it was only a couple of minutes in that other movie that I'm thinking with Black Widow as a, as a girl, that's all. Yeah. I don't need that. I think a, I think a good way to go would be to have something in the present day that ties back to a mission, and you get that flashback and forth between the two, and that way you get you get her her history as a as a Soviet agent, uh, but also keep it in the present as well. I think that's probably a, a one good way to do it. I I agree hundred percent. I remotely. Know, with- 
I, I'd be interested if Bucky were involved somehow, but he's probably the only one that I'd want mixed into that movie. Yeah, that'd be a good one that- because she, since she didn't know who he was, she only heard of him. You could do it and not have – like the two of them would never meet, right? So um, – I you took a, He did take a shot at her. Yeah. So uh, – or you could have it to where – um, you know, maybe she was brainwashed after the encounter, but I, I think. Well, no, she didn't know. If you remember, in fact, I just watched it today with my son. We watched uh, Winter Soldier, and she describes when she encountered him and how uh, how he took a shot. He t- he took out who she was guarding by shooting through her. Right, right. Um, so 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 she knows the Winter Soldier, but she doesn't know anything more than that at that point. Right. So it would be a perfect one to to show that mission. Yeah. It sounds like it's only the one mission where she encountered him. Yeah. But that would yeah that would be cool. I, I could I could see that. Um, but again, subtle. I, I mean, I, I definitely want yeah. the focus to be on her and not be diluted, um, diluted with it, just a bunch of stunt cast cameos. I, I, or, you know, dilute her, her, you know, what they could focus on with her. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to cut, cut that conversation short, if, but I did want to bring something up. If you're, if that's a good place to wrap that up. Do it. Cause I, I just said something that, um, has been on my mind since you wanted to. You guys brought uh, brought the idea of having this session, and just the impact that these movies have. Yeah, we keep saying how there's 19 and 20 movies coming out, 19 20 coming out this year. Um, but I'm looking back at the impact that this movie has had just on my life, and I'm curious about your guys. Iron Man came out in 2008. Here we are, 10 years later, 2018. My son was one. My daughter was four, going on five. Um, since then, as they've gotten older, we have watched them all at some point, but right now my son and I, I think it was over a Ziggo over at comic to post it first saw it, posted it, watch one a week from beginning of January 1st. That'll get you right up until infinity war comes out. We've been doing that. So here, my son and I have been watching since January 1st, pretty much. One week, Iron Man, Hulk, Iron Man 2. We went out of order a few weeks ago to see Black Panther in the theater, and now we're back on track. But to be sharing these movies with him in a different way, different eyes, I've seen them more times than I can count. Um, But he is just as in awe of these movies as I was the first time I saw them. And like I said, these are not the first time he's seen them. Um, We're going down to the comic book store again. He's looking for Black Panther stuff. When we were leading up to that release, he wanted to read about them. And, and and like this, this is an amazing thing that that Marvel has produced, and I think it goes way beyond what they've expected, or maybe it's exactly what they wanted. You know, these series of movies that they're they're each one self-contained a good story, but they build this bigger world uh, that I'm watching unfold again, and it's just been amazing experience for me to do this with him uh, all over again. I'm curious if you guys had anything like that at all, or maybe I'm just weird. Well, my kids are older. Um, One's 18, one's 23, but they are just as excited about these movies as I am. And whenever we can, we'll go see them together. Um, You know, they send me links to trailers and little news items that come up. They'll send me, uh, the the three of us have a group text thread that we frequent, and we're always sending stuff back and forth about it. They'll call me and talk to me about this movie and how excited they are, and then 
I went to see Black Panther uh, once uh, with my buddy, and then a second time with um, with uh, my younger daughter. And my older daughter lives out of state now, but I see her every day on video chat, and we talk all the time. And they are so excited about every single Marvel movie that comes out. I it's the same feeling that you have Ken with your son, but it's just me and some older kids. I mean, they're, they're kids that I, I see them as eight and nine years old when they're talking to me about it, because that's the enthusiasm with which they have, you know, while they're talking about these movies. And so, I mean, even when they were younger, what what did we say before we started recording? Like, Ten years ago? Has it been ten, ten years. years since this ten all started? Years, yeah. Yep. You know, my kids were eight and thirteen when this all started. And my gosh, you know, we watched Iron Man and we watched Hulk. Um, we watched Iron Man Two. It just I I had the same experience as you can, but my kids I've seen my kids grow while I've seen the Marvel Universe develop and uh it's similar but different experience, yeah. but but nonetheless, it's it's something that I'll always remember. Yeah, my daughters are now thirteen and fifteen, uh, so tough ages. And as a you know, like a sports loving dad who they could care less about sports, pretty much. Um, I'm always looking for like ways to connect more with them you know like i don't like their music they don't like my music you know there there are a few ways uh you know that we can do that and my younger one could care less i'm happy to say we did watch it together about four times uh but my my older finally went with her friends to see black panther without dad being involved i have brought her to ant-man and i think guardians of the galaxy because she does like the more comedic ones and you don't have to worry too much about world building and knowing what's going on stuff like that so she kind of enjoyed those she went to black panther with her friends and came home asking who the guy at the end was meaning bucky right so I'm like, oh, we should watch Winter Soldier. She told me to pump the brakes a little bit, but <laughs> we're <laughs> she's she's gonna watch Ragnarok with me, which is out this week because I promised her it's the funniest of all of them and stuff, and we're gonna take it from there. But yeah, I totally get it. You know, I'm I'm dying for her to love Ragnarok and maybe watch Winter Soldier with me and and go backwards a little bit. But yes, yeah, so I I totally get it. For for me. So I've always – so kind of like Brad, my kids are old, older, old and grown. Um, and you know when they were little – I mean I've always taken them to the movies. I mean uh, you know my wife – if anything, it's it's been more of a thing with me and my wife than it is me and my kids because I've always taken the kids to the, to the movies and you know they always like the same kind of stuff that I like and you know the, the action, the sci-fi, the superhero. You know we go see all that stuff. And so when the MCU came around, it didn't really change much. You know, they're obviously they're they're older and they're adults, um, and and we go and and you know go to midnight showings and stuff like that, and it's been real fun. But the big thing is my my wife, she's not as big of a movie goer as I am or the kids are, and she's all you know. There's been movies that we'll go see and she'll just kind of tolerate it. She's like, well, it's 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 something we can go do. The MCU movies have been very different, like. 
and and again to kind of bring it back to Robert Downey Jr. that had a lot to do with why she liked Iron Man. So there are some that she's really excited to go see because she could care less about superheroes. She could care less about science fiction. She will not watch a Star Wars movie. Period. End of subject. Um, so, but she, but Guardians of the Galaxy is is her favorite of all of them. Um, and why does that hurt my heart a little? Bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but. I mean, she's seen them. She just doesn't care to sit and watch them. Um, but like Guardians, you know, we, I, I went and saw it first and then I said, you know, I, I really think you'd like this. And then she sat and she, she wanted to see it again. Like we left the movie and she's like, can we go see it again? Um, which my wife never says. She never wants to sit through a movie twice in the movie theater. Um, and so she likes the more, the, the, you know, the ones that have more action comedy kind of stuff. And so, you know, like when Guardians 2 came out, you know, a lot of times we'll go opening night or, or whatever to go. And, um, usually because of work schedule or whatever, she, and she doesn't, she's not big on the huge crowds and stuff. Um, but like when Guardians 2 came out, she's like, you're not going to see that without me. Like, you're not going to go see it, see it first. <laughs> and then, you know, same thing with, uh, with the Avengers. Like she, um, and it's funny because some of them she will and some of them she won't. Like she could care less about the Thor movies. Like I made her sit through the first Thor movie and she was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. And she, she will not watch the second one. Um, but we went and saw Thor Ragnarok and she just laughed her ass off the whole time. Like she, she won out of that and she was like, that was, that was fantastic. So it's, it's been interesting to see how it's, it's brought her into, into this genre where she never had any interest in it before. I think that's happened to a lot of people based on how much money Disney's been making off these movies. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, now that you guys, especially and, and me as well, uh, have sort of stepped back from this whole, you know, podcasting and websiting and, 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 and constantly thinking about it and ranking and, and, you know, all the stuff that we used to do and, what's your favorite now? Like looking back and seeing them a few times or rewatch them with your kids. Do you have a favorite now? Yeah, I, I do. That's easy for me to answer. And I'm surprised how easy it is um, because I've gone back and forth. I, when guardians one came out, I thought that's my favorite. That's my favorite. I told you I'm rewatching the rewatching the movies last week. We watched Thor, the dark world and we put the Blu-ray in and it booted up and I started playing the trailers, and the first trailer played was Captain America: The Winter Soldier. And I'm watching the tra- I watched the whole trailer, and I started feeling exactly the way I felt when we saw the trailer the first time before the movie came out, before we knew how it re- how the reveal came through. And I realized at that moment, yeah, that's still my favorite. So Captain America: The Winter Soldier is still my top of my list. That's really a difficult question for me. I might be able to give you my three favorite movies because much like if you ask me what my favorite, like you asked me which of the Austin Powers movies is my favorite. Well, it just happens to be the one I saw last. That's the one. That's my favorite of the three. So my point is it's hard for me to pick. I could give you my top three or four probably, but to know which one is my absolute it's easier to tell you which ones that if I never see again I'm okay with but I would I would say Winter Soldier is is definitely in that top 3 it's for sure in that top 3 I absolutely adore that movie and 
man, that first Guardians, there's just something special about that first Guardians movie. When I saw it the first time, when it was over and done, I was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> what what did I just sit through? And how come I don't know exactly what I'm feeling at this moment? I'm going to have to watch this movie again to know whether or not I even like this movie. And I've seen it innumerable times now. That's how much I like it. It was so different that it caught me off guard, and I wasn't sure if if I was going to allow myself to like it. I don't even know if that makes any sense, but that's the best way I can des- describe my relationship with that movie. But it, it's currently in – it's probably in my top three. And, you know, as much as I want to say Spider-Man, does that – does that count in these movies? I don't oh, think yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, as much as I like that movie, I can't put it in my top three. It's my favorite. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie, obviously. But there's so like I was telling you guys earlier about Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. I never, ever, ever get tired of that movie. So I'd have to say that's probably up there as well. I can't pick one because there are so many of them that are so dang good. For me, I still I still hoist Avengers at the top of the heap just because of what it did. Um, the The fact that it took all these characters and put them together and made for a good, entertaining movie – uh, was not something I thought that they'd be able to do. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, we had the separate movies and, and it was all building and you thought, okay, this is going to be cool. But for it to work as well as it did is still just kind of mind boggling to me that it was able to be pulled off. Um, and so that one, that one to me is just like very, very special. Um, and Winter Soldier is just like, uh, it's, it's so close in second that it's like, I don't even know how you measure, like in my mind, like the, that one and two. Uh, because Winter Soldier, I think from like a quality perspective, like from a, from the way, from a film, you know, from the way it was shot, from the way it was acted, from the, from all that, I think Winter Soldier is a superior movie. But I think because of the Avengers, it, 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 it kind of did the impossible. That's always going to have like the, kind of the, the top of the, the king of the hill in, in my book. Yeah, from, from day one, I've been a Winter Soldier guy. Uh, it's like one of my favorite comic arcs. It helped get me back into comics. You know, they pulled it off really well. And like you said, Russ, it's it's shot and it's directed probably, in my opinion, the best of all the Marvel movies. It's really like a spy thriller. It doesn't have to be a superhero movie if you just change the names of people. Right. right. Um, which is awesome. I'm going to cheat. I'm gonna, I'll do a top three. Uh, Iron Man 2 for the reasons we mentioned being the linchpin and the connections. And I, I'm, I still geek out over that war machine scene where him and Iron Man are firing back to back. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and the, you know, the, the, that was Scar- um, Scarlet, Witch. that was uh black widows first movie, I believe. Yes. That was a major part for Nick Fury for the first time. And, um, and whiplash, you know, that probably one of my favorite villains of all time. So Iron Man 2, I put right in. I think third is Ragnarok. I, I really, I really <laughs> like Ragnarok. And nobody mentioned it, and I just want to mention it. Black Panther 
is probably number two on my best made film list behind Winter Soldier. Does that make sense in yes, terms of sure. like the direction, yeah. the yeah. the art, you know, the art direction, the costumes, and the script? I think was very tight. Um, Black Panther was just never one of like my favorite heroes, so it didn't speak to me as much as others. But I think it deserves mention for being like a really good film. I would agree with that. However, I think it also deserves to be nominated for worth, most worthless uh, after credit scenes in a Marvel movie. Really? Oh, absolutely. Wow. I was so totally disappointed. The first one, the first movie was kind of like Ryan Coogler's, is that his name, Coogler? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, his, I read, I think I read that it was his original ending for the movie and they decided to change it, so they kind of saved it for an after credit scene. But I I expected these after credit scenes to set up Infinity War because um, that's the next movie, and neither one did either. No, one thing about the after credit scenes is they sometimes set up the next film where they could, but they were always a footnote to the movie that had just happened. And that's what, though, again, these were for this movie. And you, it did get a little set up for something that's going to happen in Infinity War in the second scene. You know, well, scene we're seeing how Bucky's coming along. Not yeah, about that Infinity have War itself. To do with, I wanted an Infinity War <laughs> setup, and you're not going to get it because they don't I know things. It. It's about they, what I want. Ken, <laughs> where is this? Where is the stupid Soul Stone already? <laughs> I really thought want. we were going to see something that was going to point us to it, unless it's in the vibranium itself. Let's let's do that. Let's segue if if. Yeah, let's do the Infinity Stones, and if anybody, maybe Russ and, and Ken and you guys, and Brad, I'm sure, remembers better than me, like, where they're all at right now. And right, what I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta refuel if we're gonna do that, so you continue without me, I'll be right back. Okay, John, you and I are in the same boat. I want whoever is most knowledgeable about it to talk to me like I'm five. I have notes. And, surprise, surprise. And tell me... Where they are, where we first saw them, what they do, what their names are. I mean, I'm I could probably name all the colors, but as far as what they're supposed to do and what they're called, uh, maybe I can name one of them. All right, so let's. I, I don't mean to take over, but I know Russ is going to be doing a lot of the talking from here on out. <laughs> the first, the first Infinity Stone revealed to us was the Tesseract. Correct. So speak to us about the Tesseract, you guys. Loki's, Loki's got that. Yeah, so the Tesseract is the space gem. And what does the space gem do? Uh, I, I believe it allows you to... Uh, You've got the notes. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't get... So The only thing we've seen it do is allow you to tra- tra- transport through space. Yeah, That's what we've seen it do so far. And they use the energy to make weapons. Right. And we believe that that's what happened to the Red Skull. Not that they are ever going to address it, I don't think. But we believe the Tesseract sent him somewhere. Somewhere, that's th- yeah. So somewhere off. Yeah. So uh, Captain America. So we 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 see it. Um, uh, we we <clears throat> Captain America, the, the first Avenger. It's it plays a, a huge part in that. It's lost in the water. Uh, when the when the ship goes down, it's found by Howard Stark, and it's it's basically Shield has it, um, and then it is. Um, well, I guess to go even further back is 
the Asgardians took it and hid it <laughs> for Johann Schmidt to find it. Um, and then, and then at the end of First Avenger, it, it is lost in the water. Howard Stark finds it and conceivably S.H.I.E.L.D. has it through, throughout all this, this time. Um, until now, now, now wait a minute. Who had it really? Hydra. Well, Hydra. Hydra yes, it. good point. Yes, Hydra had it. And, and, and I want to. I want to go. Through, you know, talk. We're talking about Winter Soldier before. Winter Soldier and Phase Two was totally foreshadowed in the Avengers because they kept talking about get Phase Two, get Phase Two. What's Phase Two? Yes, Phase Two is Shield making weapons with the Tesseract, which is what Hydra was doing. They basically telegraphed that in Phase Two of the MCU, we're going to find that sh- that Hydra had infiltrated Shield. Sorry for that no, sidebar. A good a good point to make. Um, and and again, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna move on. But uh, the cool thing by Marvel, right? Because the Cosmic Cube slash Tesseract was its total own thing. No, I, I I take that back. So right, it wasn't an Infinity Stone. Correct. correct? It was just right. the Cosmic yep. Cube, and they found a way to work it into their major plan, like eight years before the plan comes together. Yeah. I mean, and technically, if we want to get extremely technical about it. They haven't said that that's an Infinity Stone. Like, I mean, it, it, it as far as the movies go, like as far as we know, it's still the cube, right? Like, it's, um, it, it, it's still yeah, the cube. they kind of have. Uh, at the end of the World of Dark World, when they took the ether to the collector, oh, right. and yes, they he said, said that there shouldn't be two. The, te- the Tesseract is, yeah, the Tesseract is in Asgard, and two Infinity Stones shouldn't be Correct. together. Yes, no, good point. Yes, they have. You guys are awesome. You should do a podcast. You should. <laughs> um, so the next Infinity Stone revealed is the Ether. Yes. Two for two. Go. Which is the reality gem, which can distort reality, which we saw them doing. Uh, yeah. And this was the first real explanation we got of them. They weren't called Infinity Stones. Odin just called them relics. Um, and talked about how most are stones. This one's fluid, but this is the first time we got a piece of the puzzle uh, beyond just learning about what the stone was. And then it was the end of that movie where we found out about the Tesseract being us being one yeah. of them. So it's been a long time since I've seen the Dark World. So briefly, ever so briefly, what is something the Ether did in that movie that altered reality? Um. Uh, oh, I just saw the movie and I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the Dark Elf. Malekith. Malekith. He, he used. He wanted to use it to change reality to return the world, the universe, to darkness. Okay. That's about I the liked, best. Yeah. I liked Dark World. I really did. Yeah, I. I did too. I would. I. I'm going to watch it again yeah. soon. You know, as as you said earlier, Brad. You know, there's movies you wouldn't be disappointed if you never saw again. I'm not saying that's one of them. That's probably lower on my list. Um, but that's like saying which cookie is the is is like even though it's my not my not my le- my least favorite cookie, it doesn't mean I don't like it. Yep, understood. Yeah, but yeah, like Ken said. So at the very end, Volstag and Sif take the ether, the reality gem, and give it to the collector for safekeeping. And as we see from, and he says, two down, four to go. Um, now, and this is a good point. This was an after credit scene that was a footnote to the movie that just ended, but it also kind of led into a movie that was coming yeah, up. Yeah, and that scene was directed by James Gunn. Uh, 
so we know based on what happens in Guardians of the Galaxy that nowhere is destroyed, that uh, the collector's you know stuff was kind of in shambles. And so we never really find out what happens to the ether. Like we just know like his stuff is 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 in disarray. So uh the assumption I'm guessing it'd be that uh Thanos is able to retrieve it that way more, more than likely. When we saw Thanos put the glove on, did it have any stones it in it? It did not. Okay. And we're not we're not spoiling or speculating anything we may have seen about Infinity, right? We can. Correct. Yeah, I mean it's a trailer, it's well, fair game. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's well, I remember. I remember. If you don't mind me going down this route, please do. I remember seeing a clip of something involving the Guardians and the Collector, and I don't know if he was in frame, but I assume Thanos was there. But it sounded like the Guardians were tracking Thanos, finding the Collector, finding him at the Collector to get the Ether, and then that's going to get them to follow him to Earth or something. It's a it's a hunch. I don't remember what I saw, where I saw it, but I saw a bit of a bit of that with that the Guardians back at the Collector. When they were trying to, to to find Thanos, and that's the Power Stone in Guardians. In Guardians, it's power the Power Stone. stone. Yes. That's what the old had. So yeah, that one is again more traditionally a stone. Uh, we've seen power because it it's so powerful that you know n- normal a normal person couldn't contain it, um, and so we see you know what it does to. Uh, to the collector's assistant who grabs it. She basically is torn apart. We see what it does to Ronan. Um, and then we see what it, you know, that it takes Quill who isn't really human and they're not entirely human and the rest of the guardians to kind of put it under control and they give it back to the Nova Corps. So they seal it back up in its container and then they give it back to the, to the Nova Corps. So conceivably it's still sitting with the Nova Corps cause nothing's happened since. Was that the third stone that we saw, or did we sort skip one? Sort of, because there's another one that we saw early that we speculated was a stone, but didn't know it was a stone until we get to Age of Ultron, and that is... Uh, Vision's head. Yes, the space... Uh, that That's the, um, the mind the stone. The mind stone. But that was in Loki's scepter, It was in Loki's right? scepter. Okay. The Mind Stone. Yeah. All right. And, and that and was, that, that's, what is that action? So that gives life to. No. Like, what did that do? So remember exactly? in Avengers, it was a, in the Avengers, it took control of somebody's mind. Like, it literally took over, you know, Hawkeye and, um, and everybody else. And so I, uh, so yeah. I guess conceivably with Vision in conjunction with the HI, with the AI would give it sentience, would, would give it. Yeah. If y'all. If you also remember in Ultron, uh, when Tony was studying it, how it how he basically was able to map it and view it as if it was its own brain, like they look like uh, Banner mentioned, they look like neurons firing. So it actually acted like a, a a mind or an AI itself. Yes. Do you think that when somebody first designed Loki's scepter, had they known that the it would eventually reveal the Mind Stone, that they would have made it? glow yellow instead of glow blue like the tesseract probably yeah i don't know because they even said that the uh the the scepter had the same uh energy as the the tesseract but they didn't call them they didn't know to call them stones at that yeah. point and that was even back in the avengers um well and it, and right. if you think about it ken the both of those stones were inside 
some kind of container, for lack of a better word. Sure. And the, both containers were that that blue. So that works for yeah, me. That could be. And and something I really hope they go back to. And I've been talking about this for it feels like the last ten years. But really, it was revealed to me. I, it first came to me in 2011 with the first Avenger when we found out about the Tesseract to begin with. Um, the Tesseract made an appearance of sorts in Iron Man 2, if you remember. In Howard yes. Stark's notebook, yes. there was a diagram of there. The whole uh, point of Iron Man 2, or the whole key part of Iron Man 2, was Tony rediscovering and synthesizing the element that his father was researching. And then we see Howard Stark to be the one to find the Tesseract at the end of the first Avenger. You put it all together... When Tony synthesized that new element, he effectively synthesized the Tesseract and the same type of energy. And that's what's powering the armor at this point. That's what's powering all of his weapons and equipment. And in Avengers, it's what was in his chest piece, which is why the Scepter had no no uh, effect yeah. on him. And, and And I really hope that they pull that all together and actually, you know, do something with that because they haven't yet. Um, unless they didn't intend to go that that obvi- obvious with it, or maybe it's possible they forgot they put that in there. It was just another Easter egg like Cap Shield and Iron Man 1. I don't know. Sounds like there's a little bit of a paradox here. The Tesseract obviously existed. Or this, the What stone is inside the Tesseract space. again? Space. The Space Stone obviously existed before it was put in the Tesseract. Well, are, okay, are, are are you saying that Tony created the Tesseract or he created the the Space Stone? I, I don't know that they're not the same thing. I don't know that the Tesseract is a container for something else. Well, I mean, they that's cracked a good theory. open the Tesseract and the stone yeah. was in it. No, they, no, they cracked didn't. open his staff and the stone was in it. They cracked open the scepter and the stone, the stone was in it. The, the Tesseract, tesseract was still intact. intact. So we know. Well, when we saw the um, the uh, <clears throat> collector explaining the stones to the guardians, didn't we see in some of his animation that he was explaining with? Didn't we see the set the cube come come apart and a stone come out of it? We saw all of the stones change form in some way to become gems that would fit into the glove. Um, I don't necessarily know that that meant it was in a container for the Tesseract. It may be. It's possible. Well, then it goes back to my original point I was trying to make is there's some – if they're one and the same, then there's a paradox because Tony created it, but it had already existed. Well, it, well it, Tony it already, copied it. He copied he, it, yeah, because his father was studying it, probably knew the, uh, the molecular makeup of it. He just couldn't synthesize it with his technology. So he created a – uh, a clone of it for a better lack of a better word. Yeah, and it's and it very likely is an imperfect clone, but it's good enough to be able to resist the effects of the Mind Stone, at least uh, temporarily. Or at least, you know, to the effect that they were being uh, exerted on him. That's as good of an explanation as any for right now. Right on. I'm down. And of course, the fifth stone is Doctor Strange's, it's in the Eye of Agamotto. It, it's, it's what um I know what that one's yeah. called. That's the that's time, the time stone. stone, the green one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that one very obviously, like, who knows where it came from? Who knows? 
you know, how long it's been on Earth or been – I mean, we know very little about it other than the fact that it can literally, you know, ch- you move forward and backward in time. So I think that's the one that's probably been in its truest form, like inside the um, – you know, we've, we've seen kind of the most use of it directly. I mean, the ether was, I guess it was kind of powering, uh, Malekith, but he didn't really exert much control over it. Um, I, I, you know, I guess, um, and, and being that the Tesseract, you know, whether it is the stone or the stones inside or the same thing with the scepter, I guess, I guess in the case of vision, I guess we, we see it more directly too, but, um, but we, we saw some direct usage of the time stone from Dr. Strange. And they made it very clear in that movie, how dangerous it was and what impact that would have. And, um, you know, what it potentially could, you know, it should or should not be used for There's a lot of fear behind, uh, using, uh, the Aya Agamotto in Dr. Strange. I almost feel like that movie gets forgotten a little bit. Like it was pretty awesome. Yeah. But it's oh, kind I of, love that movie. Yeah, it's kind of standalone, and now like a lot of other big things are happening, and and there won't be a, a Doctor Strange two until who knows when. That one hasn't been announced yet, it has, has not. it? No. Yeah. Which I really want to see more Mordo. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Clea. Yeah, that'd be cool. So what's left is we believe to be the soul stone, but nobody's really said that, right? Has it ever been mentioned? No, only just that there's six. I mean, that's all we, there are six. Yeah. Hey, when was the mind stone? That's the one in vision's head, right? Mm -hmm. When was it literally called the mind stone? Has it been called that in a movie yet? By Thor in Ultron after his vision in the, uh, with the Norns. Norn runes. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember. Because you know there was there could have been an argument made that that wasn't the mind stone; it was the soul stone because it gave vision of the soul, you know, sure. and something like that. But as long as I couldn't re- didn't remember him actually saying it, but until you brought it up, that I I do actually remember it now. So it's I guess what I'm saying is it's. It's going to be interesting to find out what the soul stone does. Yeah. And the other thing is, the interesting thing is, so looking at the glove and looking at the the way either, again, the ether is kind of like it's it's not, at least that we've seen, been formed into, the, into a stone um, like most of the other ones. But the soul stone, whatever it ends up being, is significantly larger than the others. Like it goes in the... Um, uh, I guess the whatever the op the 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 base of your of the it's of on the hand, the, it's on the back side yeah. of your hand, right? Yeah. Um, and it's and it's given how large the gauntlet is, it occupies the the better part of the back side of the of the gauntlet. So it's you know probably ten times bigger than than the other ones. So uh, I think that's the biggest point of speculation. We know that Infinity War, at least there's some battle or or what appears to be a fairly significant portion of the movie that takes uh, where there's a battle in Wakanda. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think it's a part of the vibranium? Do you think it's maybe at the center of whatever this meteorite is that crash landed and that's what makes vibranium vibranium? Or do you think it's not, not in Wakanda at all? 
Well, didn't we see a big battle scene in the trailer for Infinity War that looked like it was on Wakanda? Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm yeah, saying. We did, yeah, we, we did see that. Yeah. And, and honestly, I can't think of any other reason for that well, to happen other yeah. than the stone being there. The other re- well, after seeing Black Panther, and I said this to my son while we're watching the credits waiting for this end scene, without Wakanda, Earth has no shot against even putting a defense against Thanos, even with Iron Man and everything else. You know, Wakanda's technology is just so advanced and so um, you know, uh, effective that that's the only way that Earth, even with the Avengers, could put up a, a, a possible defense. So uh, where where else would Thanos go but the strongest point on the planet, which is Wakanda? Sure. So at, even least, without, at least he, send an army there to try to... Yeah. If the stone's not there, then he's obviously like, after yeah. the vibranium. I mean, it's one, of the, it's one or the other, or both. Yeah. I told Russ that I thought it was a little too coincidental that the uh, the plants that are created from the meteor are purple, and when you drink them, you see the souls of dead people. Oh, and no, but you know what? That really does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So now you have the soul stone there, and yeah, how the the ability the the plant what gives him his power. Yeah, that that does really fit more with the vibranium itself, or somehow the soul stone being part of the vibranium. But you would think that it would have shown up in Black Panther, but maybe they really just wanted to keep it a mystery until Infinity War. Yeah, there's, 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 a, there's an article with Ryan Coogler talking about his decision to not put a soul, uh, to put an Infinity Stone in that movie because there was already so much going on that they didn't want to distract from the story right. that they wanted to tell by having to squeeze a stone in there. There is a, a movie poster for black Panther that shows one bright point, a gem looking shape on a column or on the throne or whatever that, that has a lot of people thinking that's it, but it seems a little too obvious. Wouldn't it be interesting if, if after this, like the vibranium is rendered inert or something happens because one of the things with, with black Panther, like their technology is so advanced it's it's a complete game changer for the world, like in a in a very significant way, and it's and it's pretty obvious at the end of Black Panther that he intends to start sharing that technology with the rest of the world, like to yeah. to improve well, things. To, and they've already shown a weakness, and there's I mean, you can use a it's a, basically a sonic weapon that can render the vibranium. Uh, oh right, yeah. So I mean, I can see that being a potential uh, thing, and and vibranium while unique to Wakanda on Earth, we don't know how rare or unique it is in the in the cosmos. Right. Thanos may know exactly what right. it is. Interesting. And as we found out recently, we'll know a week sooner than we thought we were gonna know uh even right. just, just two weeks two weeks prior. Uh, and that's messing with my schedule because I was right up until that weekend with the last movie, so I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's a double up on double up. Well, I guess because you saw. Well, did did that assume that one of those weeks was Black Panther? I forget. Yeah, Black Panther was included yeah. in there. Yeah, so even with Black Panther watching that one, yeah, we're still still there. Doesn't matter. We'll make it work. You figure it out. Yeah, it's exciting. Very much. 
this is really, I mean, I know we've had the end of phases and stuff before, but these two next ones feel like, well, not next ones, but Avengers 4 and, and whatever, Infinity War, whatever the hell we're calling them. Uh, they feel like a bigger deal, you know, like because of the yeah. stuff, they're all leading up to this from the beginning and the other stuff we talked about, about what actors are coming back. You know, you could definitely see major players dying now. It's a okay. huge movie event. The Avengers, I mean, it definitely felt like this is what we've been building up to. I didn't have that feeling with Age of Ultron. As, as much as I enjoyed it, it w- it just felt like this is the next step. This is just moving people into the next spots. It, it put Thor on his path. It, it, it moved people around. Um, this now is what I think everything's been building up to since the Avengers. This is really what we've been leading yeah. up to. And, and probably we'll find out not even this. It's the next, it's the next one, really. The one that's going to cap yeah. it all off. Now, do you, so let me ask you this: So we we watch uh, Infinity War. We get to the end. We get a post credit scene, probably more than one. Do you think they do like a Back to the Future two slash three, where at the end of two, we literally saw a, a mini trailer for for the next one? Do you think it? And we kind of saw that at the end of of uh, First Avenger, right? Like First Avenger, we, yeah. Kind of got those little uh, little mini trailer for. Uh, for the Avengers, do you, is that how they film them? Are they filming them? They're consecutively, yeah, or they're, yeah, they they film, okay. they're done. I mean, they're both done. So, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Something something like that would would be awesome. But they're not. It would make up releasing. for the. It would make up for the disappointment of the Black Panther <laughs> end scene for me. Ouch. <laughs> And it's one year between the two movies, yeah. right? I think it, at minimum yeah. we get a name for the fourth one at the end of the third one. Like I think we'll walk out of Infinity War. The Avengers will return in Avengers. Holy crap! It's all yeah. the end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Weapon X. <laughs> what were the? What What were the three? What were the three Infinity Gauntlet? storylines in the comics what were they called uh it was infinity gauntlet infinity war and infinity crusade i bet the second one's called infinity crusade could be because we've been hearing about the gauntlet already and then we know that the next one's infinity war i bet the last one's crusade it should be because it's all about what I want, as, as, as has been established. <laughs> uh, It'll be interesting, and then we get you know Ant Man and the Wasp. Now, do, do you guys take it do, that Ant Man and the Wasp it takes place prior to Infinity War, or do you think it literally takes place between? I don't know because I would have thought Black Panther would have taken place a lot longer than one week after. Civil yeah. War, so um, who knows, man? I mean, this will be the first time I think they really do um, put a movie that much out of order if they did place Ant Man before Infinity War. Um, even Spider Man: Homecoming wasn't all that long after. Uh, well, actually, no, it started right when he was going yeah, home from Civil War. Yeah, from Civil War. So uh, that happened within several months. Uh, after of course uh, i've had i'm sorry go ahead Ken. yeah that's okay I, I i didn't have a point 
I figured that. I was saving you. Thanks. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> I've had a feeling that the quantum verse is a big deal somehow, maybe for the next phase, maybe for something. So I think Ant-Man and the Wasp is self-contained, but it reveals something in the quantum verse that could be, you know, something that we see again down the road. Janet, I'm assuming that's his, their mom, um, Hope's mom's name, right? She she's supposed to be in this movie, right? Michelle Pfeiffer, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that this summer that movie yeah, comes out? I. Yes. And it, again, you know, fantasy fanboy dream. Like maybe there's a glimpse of like the ultimates in some quantum verse. <laughs> Or you know yeah. what I'm saying, or like oh. vampires and Blade is chasing them, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like something that could just lead to oh, we're gonna do other universes now, or we're gonna do... that they'll tie in the Spider Verse from December. Yeah, Marvel zombies, <laughs> <laughs> zombies are I, so 2014. Yeah, I, I know we are not talking about Shield necessarily, but I, I loved talking about alternate universes. I loved the second half of season four. I know a lot of people didn't get it, but to me, it was just one big, long uh, Marvel what-if. Sure, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so yeah. good. Oh, uh, when they were in the framework? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I hadn't caught up on S.H.I.E.L.D. until a couple weeks ago. I binged nine episodes over a week. I don't know why I let it stack up that long, but I think, honestly, it's because I wasn't excited about it. Shield in space, whatever. And then I watched all nine. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm good with this. Yep, that's where I was. I took I watched the first uh, whatever it was an hour, two hours when they came back on, and it took me a while to get back to it. But I was glad I did. I think I might start binging shows more like that instead of watching them one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. It's kind of it's kind of like if I saved up five shows and I watched all five of those shows, and then I staggered. Like, say I watched five shows, five different TV shows. I save up a handful, and I watch those for over a you know, a week or two, and then I save up show B, I watch them like five in a row, yeah. and then show C five in a row. That might, that might make... I could, I could be wrong, but I think the kids call it binge-watching. Well, yes, he said, he said that. And, and you know what? I've done that with a couple of my shows this past season. Not intentionally. It worked out that way. And, Brad, it, it actually works out pretty well. I got a lot more done during my weeks. And when I had some downtime, I was able to push through four or five episodes on a, in an afternoon. There are some shows that I just have to watch as soon as they come on. But it seems like more and more as I get older, maybe I'm, you know... My priorities are changing, or maybe it's just I just don't care anymore uh, about, on, good. about most things. But it seems like I can wait to watch shows. Most most shows I can yep. wait and put, put it off. There's a reason, which I cannot disclose on this show, that, I watch, uh, that I've started to watch certain shows live. Uh, <laughs> sorry for the cryptic uh, message, but, uh, but yeah, there, there's, a, there's a reason. There's a method to my madness. There, there. All right. When when we're done recording, you're gonna have to explain I that. I will do that. On on Facebook, when you get that, you know, on this day, memories nonsense. The last couple of weeks, every so often, it would pop up one of our uh, 
HHWLOD Lost episodes, and it reminded me, Brad, of exactly that, how we, we couldn't wait for the next episode of Lost. And then, like, we would immediately, at, as soon as it ended, get on, and we would record our episode talking about it. What the hell were we thinking? <laughs> those, were the, those were the good old days. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have yet to rewatch Lost. It's like, I want to so bad, and yet I kind of revere it so much that I want it to just remain the way it is in my memory, and yet I want to start it tomorrow, and I yet wanna, yeah. I'm afraid to, you know. I want to say I did it about four years ago, and it was so worth it. Watching it straight through, it helped me get through that hump of season three a lot quicker, um, but it, it was worth it. But every so often I look at it and I see it, and I'm like, nope, I'm not ready yet. It's not time to do it again yet. <laughs> Man, even just now talking about it, I'm looking right now at all six seasons on Blu-ray sitting across the the room from me. When I was sick over uh, the last month or so, I binge-watched all seven seasons of Parks and Recreation. And I'd seen it before, but there's something special about being able to do that with a show. So, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking I may be ready for another Lost rewatch. Well, it's come full circle this evening. Yes. <laughs> Have we solved the world's problems? Anybody want to reread The Watchmen? Um. <laughs> it's coming back. It's HBO. Coming yeah. back. Dust, <laughs> dust off your microphones. Yeah. <laughs> the first time around, we did it for the movie, and now we'll do it for the, for the TV show. That's right. Bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, this has been... A lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm glad, John, that you suggested it, and uh, I'm glad we were able to kind of pull it together in somewhat, you know, short notice, and that we're all able to hop on. Because I've been curious to hear what you guys think about a lot of this stuff going on, and so hopefully, uh, after we get past Infinity War, maybe we'll all be uh, jazzed up and inspired and want to get on and talk about it again. Yeah, I'm glad you said something about it. Yeah, thank you. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. What's on deck for the It's All Connected? Uh, Jessica Jones is coming up. So next week, season two of Jessica Jones, which the early reviews have not been super positive. They the the early reviews have been like, eh. At least the I think the first four episodes went out uh, to critics, and they kind of felt it was a step a step back from season one, but I mean, season one to me was very, very, very well done. I really liked it. So even if this one is a step down, it's still, to me, going to be pretty enjoyable. So um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, then, of course, we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Next week is the 100th episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. And then this is March. So April, you know, we're like six weeks away from uh, from Infinity War since we're getting it a week early. And then... Then it'll be the season, possibly cool. series finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., depending on whether ABC wants to bring it back or not. And then uh, then we'll get Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then I think Cloak and Dagger is going to be starting over the summer uh, on Freeform. Yeah. So I'm curious to see uh, how that goes. Given how well I thought uh, Runaways was done, I'm, I'm curious to see what Freeform does with Cloak and Dagger. So. I was just going to ask you, has anybody seen Runaways? I have not it's watched it good. yet. Uh, 
It's yeah. extremely well written. Uh, it's it's very well written. Um, and I, I was yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by by Runaways, and it it definitely got better as it went along. So nice. Are the are the heroes familiar to us? If we know anything about the comic, yeah, they're pretty much the same characters from the comic. That's cool. Yeah, it, I never read. Actually, that's not true. I read a couple of them. Wasn't blown away by the comic, but maybe I'll give the show a yeah, shot. Yeah, it's, it's it's ten episodes. It's on Hulu. Um, so if you have access to Hulu, if you're a Sprint customer, they give Hulu for free now. So if you have Sprint, you can actually get a. It's not the commercial free Hulu login, but it is a login to Hulu, um, and you can watch it. But uh, yeah, I, th- I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was. I I, I really thought it was kind of going to be more along like a, uh, you know, kind of typical CW teen drama kind of show and it and it really wasn't about that so I was uh, pleasantly surprised John how did you enjoy Punisher I thought Punisher was excellent I really did yeah I wasn't sure how I was feeling the first episode or two but as we we went in and uh, got into and we met his uh, oh I'm blanking on his name what's his sidekick's name Russo Oh no, micro. No, micro. Micro, micro. Thank you. Was, yeah, I, as we we learned about them and this developed all that, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. And I was killing myself because I should have saw Russo coming because I'm not familiar with the Punisher, but I remembered as we were building up to his turn. I'm like, oh, that's right. I remember who he yeah. is now. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was well, really well done. And they did it the way they had to do it. You know, you couldn't. You can't dial back Punisher. It's got to be that way. Yeah. 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 And and by the same token, you can't literally just have him 10 episodes of him doing nothing but just killing, you know, 100 people every episode cuz that well, would get old the, too. The first episode, the first episode which 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 just rubbed me the wrong way because I really want to watch something that was it was the the uh, the the group therapy session when you had the one older guy, you know, all oh, the country's bad blah, blah blah. He rubbed me the wrong way, but then when they showed him later in front of the the courthouse or whatever it was, and he just kind of backed away. Yeah. I'm like, he's full of yeah. crap. No wonder I didn't yeah. like him. And I'm like, all right, all right. Now it makes yeah. sense. And they're yeah. gearing up. Speaking of Punisher, I mean, they're gearing up on season two. There's a lot of casting announcements coming out. There's, uh, they're getting ready to start filming. So, when are we seeing Daredevil season three? That, that's still on deck, is, right? Yeah. So Daredevil season three, Luke Cage season two, Iron Fist season two. And then Punisher season two. So I think this year we're going to get Jessica Jones season two, Luke Cage and Daredevil. And then next year we'll probably get Iron Fist and Punisher. So And are they going to still be on Netflix or are they going to jump to as Disney? Far, as far as I know, they are still Disney like, or Netflix. That Netflix will retain Netflix those. shows. Yeah. All um, right. Because they're Netflix productions, right? They are. They are. Yeah. When are we going to get that? Uh, Moon Knight TV show that I want so bad from your lips, the God's ears. I, I don't know. Uh, I I seriously wouldn't put it past them from doing it. Maybe that's that's the hook for Disney streaming service. Maybe they keep it completely right. in house. Maybe they do a Phase Four. Who knows? I mean, it it uh, there's times where I think like Marvel could slap a logo on anything and put it on the in the theater and it's going to make five hundred million. I mean, it's it's. It, they just. I'd watch Robert Downey Jr. paint a house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and John and I have talked about that too in the past about like a way forward 
for them of, you know, taking risks on, you know, not everything has to be $175 million production. You know, you could do, you know, 30 to $60 million movies, make them smaller in scale, smaller in scope and still make really damn good movies. And I think with like a Moon Knight, you could probably do that. You could probably put $50 million in into Moon Knight and take a risk on it. And at worst, it'll make its money back. I mean, uh, you know, and, and they've, they've earned up such a war chest. And, you know, when you distribute their total global box office across 18 movies, I mean, it's getting to be where the, the average is creeping up to like, I think it's what, like seven, eight hundred million per movie or something like that. It's, it's insane. I mean, the last, how many they've done have, have either hit a billion or close to a billion. I think everything has hit over like over 800 million. Doctor Strange, I think, was like what seven seven fifty, I think. And I really and think Black, Black Panther, Panther already at five five hundred million worldwide. Yeah. No, Black Panther's five hundred million domestic. It's a game changer because a ton of people that weren't into Marvel went out to see that movie, and now they're going to be into Marvel. Yep. 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 So, how about that Superman's mustache? <laughs> uh, Wrong podcast. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to bed. Yeah, are, are, we, uh, are we good? Are we done? <laughs> We're good. Cool. All right, yeah. well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, ag- thanks again, yeah. guys. Appreciate you uh, giving me the heads yeah, up. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, retro, I'll call it a retro episode or, or an OG episode. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And stay tuned, lots more lots more good stuff coming. <laughs>